0: Today
1: on ACK News Daily. You know, the TikTok is for fun, but at the same time, I feel like this almost this responsibility to try to just be um, positive about all aspects of um, the sheep industry and shearing and maybe share more with people.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Friday here on the Agnes Daily Podcast. Delaney, I will join by Ashton Carr. Ashton, I almost got today mixed up. I don't know what I was thinking today was, but certainly not a Friday.
2: Well, that's really unfortunate that you didn't think that it was a Friday because I'm very much in a Friday headspace today. It is absolutely beautiful outside surprisingly, not too windy here in Lubbock. We've been under wind advisories for the past few days, but it's in the 80s. It feels good. Not a cloud in the sky. So I'm very much in a Friday state of mind. That's good. I
0: am trying to get there, but I am heading to Canada on Sunday. So that's really kind of throwing me off.
2: Well, I'm a little jealous that you get to do some international travel. I have yet to be out of the U.S., so I'm going to live vicariously through you during this experience.
0: Okay, well, I'm sure it's not going to be that exciting. It's not going to be too terribly warm there. But actually, while you're speaking of weather, I know you sent me a video the other day of a haboob, which is basically like a big windstorm in Ashton. We don't really have those here in Iowa, but if we did, today would definitely be a haboob kind of day. I am sitting at my aunt's house in Ankeny, and I can feel the wind shaking the house almost. But I was sitting in my truck earlier and was answering some emails before I had lunch with a friend. And it was shaking my entire truck. So it's a haboob kind of day here in Central Iowa.
2: Well, I feel like the wind just left us and went on to you, I guess. I guess so. I'm not sure if if that's a...
0: If I'm using that word in the correct tense, but I'm going to make it a haboob kind of a day.
2: (laughs) Well, Delaney, I'm glad that it's not too dusty and windy down here because it normally shakes my apartment a little bit and, you know, pulls your car every which way on the road when you're driving. But anyway... I am all out of weather talk for today. I have some other news uh, that I wanted to talk about. And really, I guess this piece isn't news but a personal um anecdote, I guess, that I want to talk about because I just had lunch with one of my friends and we were leaving my apartment complex and they built a new gas station right on the corner and gas prices there have been like 365, 375 depending, you know, if you use cash or credit. And today I saw that it was down to 335. And I was like, well, surely it's not that low because they already opened. It's not like a grand opening price. But then we were looking at some other gas stations on our way to lunch and everything seems to be going down right now. And she is an economist of sorts. She is very, very smart. Um, You know, is gonna be working on, uh, or in Washington DC here soon. And so she was talking about how it was kind of a rocket and feather theory situation that it shot right back up and then it's coming back down, you know, like a feather would through the air. And she was better at using this analogy than I am. But I thought that it was pretty interesting that we're seeing gas prices come back down here. It is, uh,
0: especially because we don't really have an end in sight to the Russia-Ukraine situation, Ashton.
2: She was talking about oil reserves and stuff like that, but I I guess I just hadn't realized um, that we were still talking about oil reserves. I don't know how to kind of formulate this into a sentence. So I'm not doing a great job of reporting right now, but I just, I don't know. I I found it quite interesting. Well, I can't say I
0: can speculate into what's going on. I haven't read enough about this right now, but perhaps we're just tapping into oil reserves or there are other countries that are coming to the pipeline, so to speak. So I'll look into that because I'm curious about that as well. But Ashton, one thing that I do know for certain is the Fed has in indicated they will be potentially upping interest rate hikes here at a much faster pace than we originally had assumed they would for 2022. You know, previously we were thinking they'd probably increase at about a quarter percent per quarter. And as of yesterday's or Wednesday's Fed meeting, policymakers have signaled that they are ready and willing to take a more aggressive action towards controlling inflation and more so increasing interest rate hikes at a faster pace than we had originally anticipated. So that certainly gave some positivity in the Crude. Uh, excuse me, in the uh, financial markets this morning, as talks of controlling inflation obviously are helpful to keep the economy afloat. But my question is just how quickly, how more aggressively can we see these interest rate hikes come to light? And that is still where we're a little bit in the dark right now as what is coming down the pipeline for that.
2: Well, Delaney, kind of in that same vein, there, a, a little bit on the same track. Uh, We saw from Congressman Greg Pence say that he would like to see some action taken to ease the burden of high input costs like fertilizer prices for farmers. He was joined by more than 80 lawmakers in asking the International Trade Commission Chair Jason Kearns to reconsider duties on phosphate fertilizer imported from Morocco and to suspend the process to improve new duties on urea ammonium nitrate fertilizer from Trinidad and Tobago. He says that these record high input prices must be addressed. And I think that a lot of people are going to agree with him, especially farmers who are the ones that are paying these high input costs. But, you know, I we talk so much about inflation and, of course, these high fertilizer prices, high input costs right now. And I feel like we haven't seen a whole lot on how to address these issues from, um, you know, higher ups in legislation and the administration.
0: That's probably pretty accurate to say, Ashton, but we do have some new legislation coming to help address some of those issues in Europe. As of uh, earlier this week, I think Wednesday, the EU has approved a $550 million package specifically designed for farmers to help with some of these issues that you're talking about, Ashton, with being able to grow food and feed crops on land without losing any of their so-called Greening payments, which is something I wasn't super familiar with until I read through a little bit of this article. But essentially, I think they have different programs in place. You know, we have CRP here in the United States, uh, the EU has similar programs to that. And so, as they're trying to also adapt to potential shortfalls in production this year, largely due to Ukraine and Russia, they've put in place this. million agricultural aid to be used by EU members to help farmers boost global food security and offset some of those higher production costs and trade restrictions. So sounds like it'll go to a variety of different things. Didn't have a lot of detail about what those different things look like as of yet, but are going to be support lines there for for, uh, EU farmers. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the Trump administration, we saw a lot of different payments help coming out for producers between market facilitation payment, the COVID payments that we saw, and some of those, it'll be interesting to see if this administration responds similarly and puts any sort of those payment programs in place, which I'd I be wagering to say probably not because commodity prices are so much higher, but who knows?
2: Well, Delaney, I have a little piece of international news myself coming out of Iran. It is said that Iran is going to be supplying wheat to Lebanon. The Lebanese president tweeted out earlier today that the Iranian foreign minister assured him after their meeting that Iran was ready to support Lebanon in all fields, most notably in the provision of wheat. Lebanon bought the bulk of its wheat from Ukraine up until Russia's invasion, and the World Bank has warned it is one, it is one of a number of developing countries that face near-term supply shortages as a result of this. So obviously, Lebanon is going to look to other places to you know fill that gap, and it looks like Iran is stepping in there, Delaney. Well, and speaking of filling the
0: gap, I don't know how we
2: missed this piece of news earlier in the week,
0: but Brazil has suspended ethanol tariffs on U.S. ethanol, which was about an 18% tariff. And as of Wednesday this will run through the end of the 2022 calendar year so certainly exciting there and might indicate some potential increased market for u.s ethanol which i know ethanol producers are probably welcoming this news as they have had a rough two years since we started covid so certainly looking there to see what that reduced tariff will do for the ethanol industry but aside from that Ashton, and i've got one more piece of news here as We hop into chat markets, and that was today's USDA cattle on feed report that shows as of March 1st, cattle on feed is up 1% compared to March 1st of 2021. This is, again, the highest March 1st inventory since the series began in 1996 and continuing to show us that U.S. beef is alive and well in America.
2: Well, Delaney, like you said there, I am ready to get into the markets too. So I am excited to see how things ended this Friday afternoon.
0: As am I, Ashton. We had a little bit of a roller coaster week this week with markets trying to find their footing, trading all sorts of news headlines, and they were able to finish the note Finish the week on a high note. May corn today up five and three quarters cents at 754. Deese new crop corn up a penny and a half to close at 669. May soybeans added nine and a half cents to close at 17.10 and a quarter. No beans up three and three quarter cents to close at 14.96 and three quarters. Chicago wheat added 16 and a half cents in the May contract to close at 11.02 and a quarter. July up 18 cents to close at 10.92 and a half. And of course, folks, we've got the acreage report coming out middle of next week. So we'll be sure to chat about that on the podcast as soon as that hits our inboxes. In the cattle complex, mixed trade today is the April live cattle contract added 80 cents to close at a buck 40.47. The June up 42.5 cents to close at 137.37. Feeder cattle today showed weakness as the April contract shed a dollar 15 to close at one sixty one fifty seven The May down a dollar 17.5 to close at a buck 65. Lean hogs today had some big moves in the April contract closing limit up. To end the day at one oh seven forty seven, the May settled three dollars cents higher to close at one seventeen ninety. And wrapping things up here with the Class Three Dairy Milk Futures, April today up, excuse me, down twenty three cents to close at twenty four twenty seven. The May down twenty six to close at twenty five oh one. Ashton, without further ado, fill us in on who we're chatting with for today's Frye interview.
2: Today we're talking to Corey Bricker. Well, joining us today on his day off, of all things, is Corey Bricker, who you guys might know from TikTok. He's got 1.1 million followers, 19.5 million likes. So I think that it's safe to say, Corey, that we kind of have a celebrity in the house.
1: I'm flattered. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know about that, but...
2: Well, either way, Corey, we're we're happy to have you on. Really excited to chat with you. But before we really get into that, I want to know a little bit more about your ag background, because you are up in South Dakota. And if any of our followers or any of our listeners follow you and have seen your content, know that you're in the sheep business. So why don't you give us a little taste?
1: Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm basically in the service end of the sheep business. I don't own sheep anymore. A lot of people ask me if I What do I do with my sheep or, you know, a lot of questions around owning them, but I don't really own any sheep. I just I go around and travel to different ranches and shear sheep for ranchers, different ranchers all over the state, Um, mostly South Dakota, but some into North Dakota and a little into Wyoming and Nebraska. So,
0: Corey, I'm I'm curious, how did you get into this? Let's call it service-based industry.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, that's a good question. Um, I did grow up on a ranch near Belfou, South Dakota. It's actually 15 miles kind of west, uh, northwest. In it's a little place called Colony, Wyoming. And um, we had about five or 600 head of sheep and some cattle. And um, we did some farming as well. But um, yeah, my dad was a sheep shearer. And there was some sheep shears on down the line, too, in our family. So, um, yeah, there's several generations of shears in my family. And I just naturally learned from my dad. You know, he took me on different jobs. And I started out as the wool help and chomping wool by, you know, foot and tying wool by hand and all that good stuff. When I was about 16 years old, I uh, picked up a handpiece for the first time, and I sheared seven sheep on my first day. (laughs)
2: So Corey, I am interested to learn a little bit more on why you took this to social media. I mean, of course, we've been seeing a lot more folks in the ag industry kind of share their story and what they do on socials. But what drove you to TikTok, Instagram, YouTube?
1: Well, you know, I heard this. I heard Gary Vee say something one time. I'm sure you guys have heard of Gary Vee if you're on social media. Um, he's like, no other platform, you know, there's no other platform where you can have zero following and post one video and get a million views overnight. And I thought, I wonder what there is to that. So I started posting videos and all my kids had, you know, accounts and, um, nothing really took, but then I posted a video of my sharing one day and no kidding by that evening, I think I had close to 1 million views after I posted the video and I was like, holy cow, he's right.
0: That's so interesting to hear. And and we got to give a good shout out because I saw that you also did some cross promotion, some video content with one of our podcasters in the global ag network, Clay Conry. So that was cool to see a little bit of yes. that as well, but how do you go from just starting a TikTok to, you know, a million followers? Mm-hmm. What was that like?
1: What's it like? Um, it's, it's interesting for sure. Uh, Especially, you know, ag-based and sharing because first of all, not everybody, I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that like it, obviously, but there's equal. There's an equal amount of people that dislike it, if you get what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, but, you know, you just, for me, it was just like, I found a video that I, I guess TikTok liked, people liked and um, I just kind of went with it, you know, I just put everything else beside the wayside. And I just posted like sharing content, you know, and kind of niched down on that. And it's just uh, gone very well, you know,
2: I I do want to talk a little bit more about maybe the negative side to being on socials, because as you mentioned, you know, there are some people who don't like these kinds of videos. You know, I see these kinds of things on my For You page on TikTok quite often of people just sharing their experiences, especially in the sheep industry. You know, we actually, we have to cut that wool down. You know, there's a market for that also, you know, helps the animal and, and things of that nature. So, what kind of things do you see, you know, when it comes to that, um, negativity and kind of, how do you combat that?
1: Well, Oh, I mean, a lot of it, um, a lot of what I see, uh, in the negative comments would be like, you know, <laughs> stop doing that. Why are you being so aggressive? Oh my gosh, there's blood or you cut it or you're hurting the poor animal. Um, why, you know, why are you being so aggressive or contorting it like that? And, um, uh, it's just people don't understand, you know, uh, that's the proper way to do it. You know, it's been done this way forever. And I mean, there really hasn't been proven to be an easier way. And then you get the comments, well, um, it's because we bred them that way that we even do this to animals. So, um, you know, my perspective is that I think we were given these animals for a reason, you know, a long time ago. And, uh, you know, it's our duty to take care of them and you know remove their wool if you don't remove the wool it's going to keep growing and people don't realize there's a billion sheep on this planet that's like um one sheep for every eight humans it's crazy wow. you know and there's people that don't even understand that uh you know we use sheep for all kinds of reasons you know for their fiber and for meat and I don't know I don't know what people think but it's just it's it's baffling <laughs>
0: Well people are usually not afraid to tell you what they think so I'm sure you get a lot of that as well but hopefully you get a lot of good experiences through it as well I'm curious with your travels to all those different states what exactly are you doing are you going to sheep farms are you going is there such a thing as like shearing competitions that you're going to
1: Yes both actually well there's actually just one competition that I I went to that's, there's probably only one that I'm going to go to per year and that's the black hills national stock show and rodeo and there's it's like the national usa national shearing competition and then i think there's you know there's other ones throughout the united states but i just don't i just don't travel around for those but um yes we do travel to different sheep ranches every single day almost every single day um because our average herd you know that we would do is probably 300 to 500 head Sometimes we'll get into ranches with, you know, a thousand or a couple thousand, and then we're parked there for a couple days. And um, our setup is completely mobile. Um, Our shearing trailer just, you know, kind of folds out. Um, The chute drops down. We just back up to their chute. We have um, a bagger, or I guess you would call it a wool press that's mobile. And it just unhooks from the back of the trailer, and we wheel it around the side And so we have somebody handling the wool and pressing it into bags that weigh about four or 500 pounds a piece. And, um, you know, our goal is to try to get done, you know, you know, if we have three to 500 head, we're going to get them done that day. Um, we can easily do six, 700 head out of our trailer. Everybody on our trailer can probably shear at least a hundred head. Um, some of us can shear as many as, you know, 150 or 60 if necessary, but yeah, it's, um, we try to knock a lot of them out and we will go from mid January till about the end of May every year. And that's our shearing season here.
2: Well, Corey, something else that I wanted to point out is that you really opened up, especially your YouTube to talking a little bit more about mental health in the ag space. So what made you kind of take that route and also include that when sharing your story?
1: Yes. um, YouTube. That's interesting that you brought that up. And um, I appreciate that you did bring that up because uh, that's like a different side of me right there. You know, YouTube is like a whole different platform. You see me over here on TikTok, you know, just shearing sheep and not talking a lot about those things. But when I get into my lives, it's just me having conversations with people. It ends up being about like mental health or, you know, uh, depression and things like that. Cause I think we're all a little depressed. I think we're all just about, you know, this close to the edge, you know, and uh, I just I mean, I see a lot of people talking about it, but I don't know. I just felt like I had a lot to share and that YouTube was the platform for that. And so I do have a cross section of videos on there that talk and deal with. Um, mental health and depression and motivation or just it and it's mainly to be an encouragement to other people honestly not that I know anything or maybe I do know a couple things but the the main goal is just to try you know try to provide encouragement for other people because I just know there are so many people I don't care if you're a rancher or if you're not a rancher whoever I just think it's everybody you know what I mean
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it's cool that you've been able to do that through your different platforms that we've been talking about today. But we've also got to talk a little bit about your handles so that folks listening can go follow you and find you. Corey, how can they do that?
1: Well, uh, on TikTok, it's just at Corey Bricker, C-O-R-E-Y-B-R-I-C-K-E-R. And on YouTube, And Instagram, it's RapidTronics, R-A-P-I-D-T-R-O-N-I-C-S. And don't ask me how I got that. It was like an old username from back when we first started using computers. (laughs) And it just kind of stuck. So, yeah.
0: Corey, thanks again for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. It's been awesome to hear about your story and uh, a little insight into the sheep shearing industry.
1: Well, thank you. And I I think there's so much more, um, you know,